Welcome to Homestead Gardening in the Texas Gulf Coast with Kristen Howard. Today's podcast episode is on growing blackberries in Texas. You may think, well, I don't need to grow berries at home. I can just buy them at the grocery store. Well, in today's episode, I'll be sharing with you why growing blackberries specifically in your home garden may be worth the money instead of buying them in stores. This week's podcast episode is paired with the YouTube episode discussing how to grow blackberries where you get to see my actual blackberry patch. And in future YouTube episodes, I'll also be propagating blackberry plants, turning a single plant into many. So make sure you're subscribed to that YouTube channel so you don't miss out. You can find the link in today's episode description. Obviously, I've already given it away, but yes, I grow blackberries, a lot of blackberries. So many, in fact, that I'm still finding frozen bags from two years ago hiding in the freezer. The Houston area is not known for easily growing strawberries or blueberries without special bed preparation, a lot of fertilization and care, protection from critters or pests that may steal your fruit, and a decent amount of supplemental irrigation or rainfall to ensure a successful crop, or just to keep these plants alive in general. And the ever-so-tasty garden raspberry is unfortunately not very happy in our prolonged, nearly endless periods of summer. Houston gets hot in summer, which begins to limit the success of a lot of these fruits. While the rest of North America is picking fresh strawberries on 4th of July, I'm staring at a wild strawberry plant that supposedly handles the heat a bit better than commercial strawberry plants, and even it's flopped over and burned from too many hot days in a row. Although we usually have warm winters more than most areas of Texas, we still have severe cold snaps and have even gone through a record-setting freeze killing many a gardener's favorite fruiting plants. This sure makes caring for plants in general very tricky. This is why you'll notice this year I'm really focusing on the vegetables, fruits, grains, and other edible plants, including natives, that offer simpler, easier gardening with a more hands-off approach that allows me to live a normal life instead of being chained to my garden. Blackberry plants are mean, green, fruit-producing machines. This plant has conquered it all. Drought, heat, extreme freezing weather, and come out on the other side victorious. Even with mild pest damage, blackberries can produce excellent crops of fruit after an establishment period, even with damage. I can already tell you're so excited to buy a blackberry plant for next year's harvest. Yes, the fruity season has ended for 2022 that I'm not going to have to work very hard to convince you to grow this plant. But whatever you do, don't push the pause button on this episode and start internet browsing to purchase your first plant or jump in the car and make a beeline for your nearest garden center because I have a few tips on purchasing and timing. So let's start from the beginning, from that purchasing and timing to the care necessary in the first few months to establish the plant, when and how fruiting occurs, optional watering and care to extreme care for bumper crops, varieties best for the area, thorny versus thornless pro and con list, and additional fun information we can nerd out on together. So let's talk about purchasing a blackberry plant and the right timing. Blackberry roots are perennial, which is why the plant can grow back from the roots once a year in spring, and the top growth canes are biennial. First year canes are tender and do not fruit, Second-year canes are woody and more resistant to freeze, drought, and heat, and will fruit and then die. When you purchase a blackberry plant, you don't need to buy a large plant, but the larger the root ball, the better to take advantage of the perennial roots. 
All the new cane growth comes from the root system. So even if the visible top cane growth of your plant struggles a bit after establishment, a large healthy root system will increase your odds exponentially that those new canes will still appear the following spring. For almost a decade, time and time again, this is my experience with this plant and I love it. There are two times of year you should buy this plant so that you can get the most benefit from the biennial habit of the top growth of the plant, or really there's a range of time, from the end of one season to the beginning of the next for the Houston area or most of Texas. September through October, when you actually notice the temperatures consistently beginning to drop, is the beginning of this time frame to buy a plant. This would be the start of fall season for most North America, and because we don't have a hard winter in Houston, the fall season lasts quite some time. Our plants don't always go dormant as they should during this fall period because we do not always have a natural progressive winter. But the blackberry does not get confused by our warmer fall and winter period. Swinging temperatures don't accidentally signal new growth from the blackberry like with other fruiting plants in our climate. The blackberry plant's woody growth is tough enough to withstand anything our winters throw at it, including quick freezes with ease. And if you plant around the late September or early October timeframe, you will have one to two months for the roots to establish to your native soil before freezing temperatures arrive. Now, you can honestly plant any time after this, but you may have to exercise some patience if you see damage on your plant. As mentioned, it's very likely you'll see new growth the following year, no matter what damage the top of the plant incurs. The entire fall through winter period that Houston is capable of having will limit top growth on the blackberry plant but that root growth is going to go nuts below the surface, which will support new canes the following season. The second time to plant, or really the last recommended time to plant, is early spring. March is a perfectly fine time to plant a blackberry as well. This will give you one to two months before the real heat of early summer begins, and some of the root system will be able to establish before new canes appear, which is important because you don't want a disproportionate root growth to top growth in the first year. Now, the question is, can you plant a blackberry in April through August? Well, yes, of course, but those tender new canes that start to emerge will be susceptible to wilter decline if the root system is not established. If you don't have enough root growth to support top growth during this time, your plant is likely to suffer. I have noticed this leads to a longer establishment period for the plant as well. Sometimes you will even see decline in the plant up to six or eight months later if the plant struggles all summer and is stressed once again during an early season freeze. The plant will likely recover the following spring, but I've noticed you can lose about a year's worth of growing in that time and won't have a successful harvest until the cycle repeats with a stronger set of fresh new canes and the following year's fruiting on those canes. When you are first establishing a blackberry plant, it is necessary to provide supplemental water until you succeed at that establishment. So when does this period end? Well, as previously mentioned, at the right time of year, establishment may take as little as a month or may seem to take several months if planting at the inopportune time of year. I have a YouTube episode showing how I transplant blackberry and rose plants, two plants that produce new spring canes, but have woody growth remaining in fall and winter. Roses aren't perennial or biennial like blackberries, but both are really easy to establish at the right time of year. In that YouTube episode, I show my planting time frame as roughly November, and you can see in the video how mean I am to my plantings. I mean, I'm brutal. I'm rough with them because I'm trying to prove a point that timing was more important in planting than the actual technique. 
And you can actually see how those plants have progressed in that time frame over six months on Instagram stories as I post things here and there. At the time of planting, I watered just after planting about 10 minutes from the plant actually going in the ground. And then once more about five to seven days later. From then on, I let natural winter rains water the plant during the establishment period, which made very, very easy work of planting. I also trimmed those plants heavily so that the top growth and bottom growth were really similar in size. This summer, these plants were in a brutal west-facing sun location, whereas usually I'd place these in locations with a maximum of eight hours of sun, allowing either morning or afternoon shade to reduce my caregiving requirements. So these plants actually had to be watered this summer after about four weeks without natural rainfall once we got into these 100 degree temperatures and I saw the plant leaves actually crisp up a bit. These particular plants will now be deeply watered during summer, probably every other week until normal seasonal rainfall returns, assuming that the heat and drought will cause that new cane growth from spring to struggle over the summer. Unlike with roses and other plants in my vegetable garden, I have found that it's not necessary to fertilize blackberry plants. However, most fruiting or flowering plants do require fertilizer in early February and either August or September if you're in Houston Zone 9. Again, in 10 years time of growing blackberries, I've never fertilized these plants. And blackberries will flower without additional support and they'll fruit as long as the flowers are pollinated. Luckily, the white flowers of a blackberry plant are extremely attractive to bees and other pollinators, and you should have no trouble with a natural pollination. However, if you do choose to fertilize, use a balanced fertilizer that ideally is organic with trace minerals. So if I'm not fertilizing, how do I get bumper crops for my plants? Well, let's think this through. The most important part of the plant, to me, are those perennial roots, which produce the new biennial canes each spring. So instead of fertilizing with an NPK fertilizer, I like to support the roots. Root conditioners like humates and anything that will increase microbial activity in the soil will support the roots and increase nutrient uptake from the soil to the roots when you do choose to fertilize. So let's start there. Humates are found in rabbit droppings, but since I don't own rabbits, I tend to buy liquid supplementation that specifically lists humates in the list of soil conditioners. Rabbit droppings are fertilizer, by the way, but I tend to be careful when I tell people to fertilize their plants because the word fertilizer usually implies going to your nearest big box retail and picking up a bag of 10-10-10 ratio NPK synthetic broadcast fertilizer. I would love it if you'd think about fertilizing in the exact opposite way because I know you'll have more success gardening if you do, which is why I recommend something like a humate fertilizer or rabbit droppings. So there are varieties of blackberries that work better for certain areas. And in the Houston area, I've enjoyed many of the native varieties of thorny blackberries. These varieties produce larger berries. And I like sour blackberries because water-filled or sweeter berries just aren't for me. I've noticed that Kiowa blackberry has become my favorite thorny variety with Brazos blackberry as a close second. Huge berries are produced from both. But Kiowa has an aggressive root system, which is very advantageous when I'm growing in an area where I can't easily water. I also love an aggressive blackberry patch because I get a lot of fruit all at once. You can absolutely trellis any of the blackberry plants, but the thorny varieties are especially brutal, so trellising is very helpful when it comes to picking. Blackberry canes will also sprawl along the ground. Whether trellising or sprawling, the patch doesn't seem to produce more fruit either way. 
it's just easier to pick them off a trellis. Fruit, once ripe, becomes heavy, and they actually hide under leaves, which makes it easier to miss the fruit in a sprawling patch. A thornless variety that I like is called Prime Arkansas, also known as Prime Arc. I specifically have Prime Arc Freedom. This type is a Primo Cane Blackberry, and other varieties of Primo Cane Blackberries exist as well. These blackberries do not just fruit on second year canes, but instead they can fruit on both first and second year canes, often resulting in both a late spring and a fall harvest. There are other Primo Cane varieties in the market like Triple Crown, which also grows in my garden, but Primark Freedom Blackberry compared to Triple Crown has a super aggressive root system like Kiowa and really thick canes, making it easy to trellis and produce a large patch from one plant if desired. Plus, Primark Freedom produces huge, sturdy sweet berries, which is a crowd pleaser for parties compared to the more sour, pie-worthy berries from Kiowa. So what are the pros and cons of thornless versus thorny blackberries? With the exception of Primark Freedom, I don't prefer thornless varieties of blackberries. I have found them to be less hardy, with smaller berries, on most occasions. And on a survival of the fittest property, like mine, they aren't really fit to survive. But I'm willing to be somewhat impartial and fairly discuss the pros of this variety. One pro of thornless cane blackberries is that you will not have your hand or arm skin damaged when you pick. Same goes for your clothes as you walk through a patch. Thornless berries are easy to train on a trellis and handle, of course. They're better for households with small children that might fall into a patch and get injured. And they're better for households with fluffy pets because those pets are less likely to get stuck and bring in debris from the patch. Conversely, critters tend to easily trample these canes if not trellised, and they can easily pick off fruit. There are two main predators to this thornless variety, pets and children. Both have a habit of trying to pull off unripe red berries, as the dark purplish blackberries are usually heavy enough to drop below a leaf out of sight when ready, as mentioned before. Trellis berries are probably more likely to be stolen by squirrels or birds because they are much easier to reach than patch berries too. The pro of a thorny blackberry plant includes lack of predation, the berries are usually larger, and the patches often handle a wider range of temperature and stress. The cons are pretty obvious for the thorny blackberry, but if you like obstacle courses and a challenge, all of these cons are just pros on your list. Think yoga poses with a steep risk if you fall out of them. Luckily in May when berries ripen, it's so hot that you'll actually be doing outdoor hot yoga and your body may be more limber to handle the contortions required for picking from a thorny patch. So your nerdy takeaways for today are that blackberry roots are perennial, while the canes are biennial, only producing fruit on second year canes, unless the blackberry is a primo cane variety, which produces fruit on both first and second year canes. Blackberries flower with mostly all white flowers, which attract bees and other pollinators in spring, especially native bees. And blackberry plants can be drought tolerant and handle extreme heat and cold, primarily because of their woody growth and perennial root system, which will allow fresh new growth if top growth dies and the roots remain intact. So thanks so much for learning with me today. For a visual aid of today's podcast, check out the YouTube channel, including a companion video to today's episode. And if you really love this podcast, make sure you're sharing it with everybody you know. You never know who's going to be a future gardener, and we always want to expand our gardening community.
And to see the garden in real time, don't forget to check out my Instagram page. Links to both the YouTube channel and Instagram page are in the episode description. If you have specific questions about this episode, get them answered during Q&A Fridays only on the Instagram page.